Welcome to the Saints of San Francisco podcast, where we dive into work, faith, and fulfillment. This is a podcast for the modern Christian professional. I'm your host, Isaac Hall. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, Saints, whenever you guys are listening on this beautiful Saturday or any time that you're going on to listen to this episode. We're in the Finding Purpose Through Your Passion series, and today we have a very special guest, someone who's worked a Bay Area job, I should say, and then I guess Sacramento is considered Bay Area still. So um, yeah, but I think this episode will be good uh, because we're not pigeonholed into this whole like San Francisco tech bubble. And, and so I think for you, the listeners, it's going to be a treat. So today we have on Rebecca or Becca Lee. Um, and I am just going to allow you to do an introduction of yourself, Becca, if you don't mind. Cool. Thank you. Um, so yes, my name is Becca. I'm a Sacramento born and raised girl. I've been there my whole life. Um, my parents met there. And so my sisters and I were brought up there. It's not technically Bay because we're pretty far from it, but we're local enough where Bay people can come through. Um, self intro, I'm trying not to do the whole thing where I just like talk about what I do for a living. So it's a, I've been working on this. Um, I'm a believer. I love Jesus but I have a problem with cussing like a sailor and that's something I'm working on. I'm a daughter, a sister, a friend. I'm learning to be like a good neighbor. Um, not in the literal sense, but like when we're talking about calling to be a good neighbor, that's something that's very active in my life. I'm a dog mom to chance, a self-proclaimed ice cream connoisseur, a newbie roller skater, and a self-taught baker and for my vocation i'm a manager of a production facility um, that produces for multiple bakeries under this one large company so keeping it at that got an amazing intro i feel like that was probably one of the best ones yet not throwing shade to any of our guests but (laughs) i feel like we tend to get so focused on um what we do as our identity and it's no one's mm-hmm. fault really. And, and I think it's good to kind of take a step back and know that we are, you know, brothers and sisters, daughters and sons of God, you know, first and foremost, and that we have so much more to offer and we're, we're we are so much more than what our jobs entail, you know? So um, exactly. Thanks for that. So, yeah, I mean, before we start, newbie roller skater, could you tell me how yeah. you kind of got on that journey of roller skating? <laughs> the pandemic. I mean, <laughs> trying to be a TikTok star. No, I don't even have TikTok. Um, I think it was more because I have always wanted to roller skate. Like, I had a pair of roller skates growing up, but they're actually too big for me when my mom bought them for me. And also, I was also really terrified of falling. And so Mm. I started noticing people like getting back into skating again. It kind of piqued my interest a little bit. I got my hands on a pair of trash beginners roller skates and have been going like pretty religiously every day. It's been really good for my mental health and physical health, but it's also kind of like brought out the inner child in me and she's very happy. Oh, that's so good to hear. (laughs) 
that yeah that makes me all warm and fuzzy inside yeah. I kind of did an equivalent to as you well know of getting a motorcycle it's slightly different but yes. same concept <laughs> of like so many people are picking up different things during the pandemic and it's just like I think we've come to realize that like life is too short so if you're going to do it you should do it now and, and be right. happy about it so yeah learn about yourself <laughs> While you're self-isolating, I guess, is what I was <laughs> Cool. So with that said, I'm I'm so excited to kind of get into the meat of things. So um, speaking about the pandemic, we know lots of folks are going through a lot, a lot of inner self-reflection. People are losing jobs. People are switching jobs. People mm-hmm. are trying to understand, you know, what, what, principles they want to live by they know life is short and so many things can happen so that you know you you start like thinking about you know what what do i value and and mm. what do i want to do where where am i at this current point in time how am i going to come back from this loss of a family member or how am i going to um, move forward after I've lost this job in San Francisco or LA or mm-hmm. Chicago and know what am I going to do? And with that, change can be extremely difficult and scary and uncomfortable. And I Absolutely. think that's across the board. Yeah. Um, so with your personal story, Vega, from, you know, we just scratched the surface before, but, you know, during community group, Mm. Um, just learning about your past and what you went through. I think there's a lot that we could dig into there. So could you just explain a little bit about your story um, uh, of of working in tech and then going into baking, starting your own business, pandemic, yeah. and kind of like the underlying, uh, I guess, influences of all of that, if you don't mind. Oh, I love talking about this stuff. Um, so... <laughs> like you were saying, a lot of people, there's a lot of trepidation that comes with situations like the world is going through right now, where a lot of people are jobless and having to pivot, make career changes, life changes. And I think my story is just mainly, we are always going to be works in progress until the day we're face to face with God. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I think I'm learning still to embrace and what Mm -hmm. has allowed me to fully embrace this part of my life and where I'm at. Um, So starting out, I lived a pretty comfy, cushy life as far as like where I thought my career would go. Like I was in school, studying to be a teacher of all things, actually. And then the more I got into, I realized like this may not be for me. And so Mm -hmm. I was kind of toying with the idea of going outside of that. And Stitch Fix was just starting up at the time and they had started their Sacramento region. Um, and they needed personal stylists. So I was one of the first personal stylists for Sacramento's Stitch Fix uh, region and or Stitch Fix Sacramento region. And they paid way too well <laughs> for what I was doing because um, <laughs> I, I had like played with kids for like six hours a day and like made lesson plans and do all these things that are like exhausting and mentally exhausting work. Um, big ups to teachers, by the way. But that job fell into my lap. I immediately took it and I was really comfortable, was in a serious, like really great relationship, um, was kind of cruising through life. And then, Mm. um, long story short, I 
was in a pretty abusive relationship. That relationship had done just like a 180 and I had been hiding it from everybody and kind of withdrew from school. Like I was getting sick. I was also just not in a good or healthy place. And so mm. I couldn't finish school. And that was something I was also always really insecure about. And so I decided to just work full-time with Stitch Fix and kind of like laid everything on that plan to just move up in that way. And then I got laid off after three years and it was earth shattering because here I am post breakup, like had walked away from this relationship, was extremely traumatized, was going through lots of mental health issues, was also dealing with like severe like PTSD and anxiety and um, felt like I had just really lost my sense of self, my mm -hmm. self-respect, my dignity. Like I just felt really void and confused. And so when this job had let go of me, when I got laid off, it's really interesting because that same month, like two weeks after that, I was supposed to go to LA and do like a large wedding order and had baked my whole life, done some this for fun. And this wedding was special because it was for like an old church friend. And I started going into like the wedding direction, just kind of to toy with it before I had even gotten laid off before the breakup. Like my partner at the time was very supportive and a whole part of that process. And mm -hmm. I started my Instagram for later on just to like track the things I was making. Yeah. And then I was getting, you know, opportunities from people who wanted to do like custom cakes. Um, and I was doing like a, I did a styled shoot at my friend's ranch that they wanted to turn into a wedding venue. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a beautiful, meaningful experience. It was the first time I had done anything wedding related. And that's when all the wedding opportunities came through my Instagram. I didn't have a website. I was not prepared for that, but I took on opportunities as they came. And that LA wedding, I left with like the knowledge that I could possibly be getting evicted by the time I get back from that wedding. I had left with the knowledge that I still wouldn't have a job when I got back and just a lot of ifs and unknowns. And yeah. I'm very much about stability. Like it's an idol I've battled with my entire life. So being plunged into a situation where there's like no clear direction was terrifying. But at the same time, I knew I had, to, it was someone's wedding. I wasn't going to mess up their wedding and not do this wedding cake when I had already gone this far. So I went, um, it was beautiful. And um, honestly, the response that I had gotten from it just kind of like gave me this really settled, peaceful feeling like you're in the right place. You're mm -hmm. doing what you need to be doing. And just this like feeling of, I just need to trust where God is taking me on this journey. And I need to take, I just felt like these are risks that I need to take because I'm so not a risk taker. And so oh, wow. I, yeah, I had gotten back feeling like pretty good about myself, almost got evicted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I figured like I had been applying for jobs that whole time too, and no one was taking, and I had just been staying in the fashion styling side of things. I decided, why don't I try baking? Um, I don't have any bakery experience and I didn't realize how different it would be until I worked in one and no one wanted to take a chance on me because I had zero professional 
baking experience. Also, my schedule was like not ideal. Bakeries are very busy on Sundays and I go to church on Sundays. I was super involved mm. at my church too. And weekends, I, I didn't want to compromise that. I didn't want to compromise um, my responsibilities at my church and also to my community. And I felt very strongly about that. So I mm. prayed about it and I just said, God, open the doors that you need to open and shut the ones that I can't even like go back to. Cause I will try to r- rip that door open. <laughs> so <laughs> he really did that. And um, this little bakery right by my house, a gluten-free, dairy-free, sometimes vegan bakery, all things I never worked with before decided to take me on. I started entry level at their front of house, like doing customer service, um, kind of learning about products, learning about what it means to like, what gluten-free baking even is and like the mm. customer base we serve. And for almost five years later, here I am. I am now doing a lot of general managing type of things, uh, managing an entire facility, which I never thought I would do. Mm. And I'm slinging wedding cakes on the side. So <laughs> that's just like the long story, short version. But I think throughout that entire process, God really challenged me to trust him in a way that I never had to before, um, where like my life, my income, my, the things that I really held on to for security were being tested. And I realized also how fragile and how temporary those things are. Mm. Um, and also really challenging myself to work in a way that reminded me of like Joseph. He is someone that still comes to mind for me when I think Joseph, about where I'm at Joseph in the Bible. Oh, no, 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 no just in, in the Bible. Bible. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, I will not name my oh. ex. Okay, sorry, I thought I was like, oh, where's that? Oh, okay. okay. No, no, no. Joseph of the Bible, Isaac. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the one that got sold into slavery by his brothers, like that one. He went through a lot, um, yeah. <laughs> he went through a lot. But you know what? He, I think I could see a lot of my story in his in the sense where he just chose to be faithful. Like, regardless of where he was at, he worked so hard and really did it in a way that was like, God, I want you to be seen and noticed in my work ethic in my responsibility and who I choose to come alongside. Like you are going to provide those opportunities. I'm going to trust you, but I'm also going to work really hard and honor Mm. you in that. Mm. And even like the fellow prisoners, even the fellow um, guards, like, Everyone in his story, they took notice of that. So I took that to heart and every day going into work, because trust me, anyone who's been in the service industry, especially if you have to deal with customers, it is a rough job. It is not fun catering to people and like having to have a good attitude because that's literally what you're getting paid for. Um, It's rough and it's sometimes really demoralizing. (laughs) But I really felt challenged to have a work ethic that showed who God is. And I'm very fortunate in that my industry, I can talk freely about God if I wanted to. Um, I can really express my faith in my workplace, which is awesome. And my coworkers, like we all have this very mutual respect for each other where um, we want to hear about each other's lives. And I'm not like campaigning for people to be Bible thumping Christians at all. 
I think if it's a genuine conversation where people are asking about your faith and you're open to and able to talk about it, I felt like it was one of those things that, well, A, I just love talking about what God was doing in my life at that time because he was doing a lot, like Mm. transforming me, reminding me of who I am again, um, and that I loved baking from the beginning. It's not something that I had to be afraid of. It's not something that um, was only with my partner or reminded me of my partner. Like those were all very personal things to me. So God was doing a lot of transformative work. And I felt like he was the realest I'd ever known him to be at that point. And it took Mm -hmm. me going through that to want to be open about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I was very fortunate. My coworkers like loved to hear about like, you know, how can we don't work on Sundays? Like, oh, I go to church. Oh, what do you like do things at church? Like, yeah, like these are the things I do there. And this is like why I'm there all the time. And, you know, little conversations like that turn into bigger ones. Um, and I think also one thing they really noticed were some, some like lifelong people I consider to be lifelong friends now really took notice of like my work ethic. And mm. it's not something that I can like completely credit to myself because you have to make the decision to work in that way where you want to really exalt God and how you work, but also on how you treat people. So, Mm. yeah. Amazing. That's what I like (laughs) hearing people are like, you know, work can be so toxic, especially if you work a lot of hours, but I don't know if you read uh, Mark Homer's garden city and obviously I'm not trying to, exalt or put working hard or work ethic no. on people, but I think, no. you know, if you have a non-toxic approach to what that means in terms of, in terms of how you honor God and, and, and mm-hmm. how you can bring more exposure to his kingdom in a practical workplace, I think that's one really good way to do it. And the second thing is you, you mentioned is how you treat people you mm-hmm. know, when things go wrong or things happen that are outside of your control or your team's control and how you manage that situation. Um, But yeah, I think there was a lot to unpack there. I think the first question I want to to ask in regards to that is just like, you mentioned you were coming out of an abusive relationship and you had insecurities about not graduating school. And then you kind of like Mm -hmm. went to stitch fix and, and that was kind of like your solace temporarily and then you know that kind of the the building blocks kind of tumbled down and then you're in a position where you know you had this love for baking and 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 talent for it and now for people are like calling you up and be like yo can I make custom orders for my weddings and then (laughs) you're you're kind of like a crossroads right of like hey god like I don't see what what the future holds other than the potential eviction. I feel like Joseph right now in this situation of like, you know, so many things that's outside of my control that's happening and not so good things, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to choose to believe in you. Where where did that come from? Where is that source from? Was it just like your mm. inherent theological belief in the Lord or was it like an act of desperation or was it like, right. yeah. So, this has nothing to do with my work, but everything to do with that relationship, because I, again, I didn't tell anyone what I had been going through um, in detail. Like, I think people knew that things weren't right, like something was wrong. Um, 
And I just didn't feel like there was any way for me to be seen or known by anyone else. Mm -hmm. And it was really just between me, my partner and God. And in a weird way, I think out of desperation first, out of desperation, just really feeling like I needed to be seen and heard kind of like, God, does anyone see me? Like, does Mm -hmm. anyone know that this is what I'm going through? Does anyone know? this is what we are going through and that we're struggling and we're lost. And I had so many moments where I could have probably like turned to so many other things, but I felt this really strong sense of, I need to just stay connected with God because I have already lost myself in such a way. I need to make the decision to hear from the one who knows me the best and who knows me and who sees me. And I will say this again and again until like my dying breath. I can never deny that God's real or that God loves me and that he'll never leave me or, and I will never feel abandoned by him because of that time in my life. Like that really solidified that he sees you and he knows you the best. He sends the people that need to be there. Um, He is healer for sure, healer, redeemer, and in all ways, like such a friend and a father and protector and all the things that I had learned growing up in church, they became almost like tangible, like that Mm. real where I just can't deny his existence. Like you can't deny that God is real and that God is Mm. God because there are so many times where honestly, I probably shouldn't be here, but God not only saved me mentally but physically spiritually there are lots of times where um no one else could have seen anything except for him and he offered so much peace and comfort and honestly strength to walk away from that situation too and the wisdom to do it and the discernment to do it like um that's kind of what i think pushed me forward in that direction of not being afraid to take other things on um Mm -hmm. and really practicing like honing in on God's voice because that's something I had to do to survive that situation. Wow. Thanks so much for your vulnerability. I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think a lot of people can, can resonate with you, but you know, obviously certain folks don't make it as you mentioned, mm-hmm. as in they fall through the cracks or they second guess um, if God is actually working in their life and if they have, if he has a blueprint laid out for us already to kind of help us succeed and, you know, get out of the tunnel. Um, mm-hmm. So it's good hearing from you of, of the experiences that you've had that were so traumatic and the lows that you're involved in, but always having the foresight and the perspective and, and mm-hmm. you know, your learnings and teachings and experiences at church and, also your very intimate and personal relationship with God to, you know, make an executive decision for yourself and double down. And then now you're in this place where you can, you know, pursue your passions, but as you mentioned, you know, to grow his kingdom as well. And I remember you mentioning the intersectionality of how God touches people uh, through others crafts. And then, you know, with your work ethic and, and your passions uh, you mentioned um, that you volunteer um, at the City of Refuge in Sacramento, and yes. there are women who are sexually exploited, and what they needed, 
most was to get their voices back. They wanted mm. autonomy. They wanted to be empowered to have control over their lives. And that meant having a job and then a cafe mm. started and then God placed you there. So could you tell us a little bit more about um, that opportunity that was given to you? Yeah. Yeah, I love this story. So um, I, so at this point, I had been working at the bakery, I had been baking things on the side, and kind of like re exploring baking for myself and what it means to like create with my hands and, um, and that process in itself. And I had heard about this uh, nonprofit in Sacramento called City of Refuge through my church, Bayside Midtown at the time. And um, I had heard of them before, but what I really love about this organization is they are geared to supporting women and children who've been exploited, but also women and children who are like going through homelessness and just need safe housing. Um, they're very much involved with youth in the community, but um, some of the special projects that like really held close to my heart was some of these moms-to-be who a lot of them, you know, were pregnant through rape or through exploitation um, and chose to keep their, their babies, they're pregnant and scared and alone. And so City of Refuge would not only safe house them, but they would throw like baby showers for them to like welcome mm -hmm. this baby into the world and to support these moms and let them know you're not alone and we love you. We love this baby. Um, we are here for you. We want to raise this child with you. Like, so it was just like such a beautiful but small thing, right? Um, and yeah. they do birthday parties for children who are going through homelessness right now as well. Mm. So I started donating like cupcakes and like pastries. Um, I would do fundraisers sometimes where I would like do bake sales and donate pro like portions of the proceeds to that organization, to City of Refuge. Wow. And it was like at a certain point where I wanted to do more, but I couldn't figure out what that was. So I talked to some of the um, employees there, some of the staff members, and I said, okay, other than money and like donations in general, what are some long-term things and ways that this community can get involved? And they said, we need jobs. We need jobs for especially our sisters who are going through this because mm. the sad part is statistically, way too high of a number of these women will go back into that life because it's if you've been trafficked and you've been exploited it is so normalized and your brain has literally rewired itself to make that your normal it's mm. hard for them to depart that even if it's not the healthiest situation because it is the safest in their mind it's the one they can make the most sense out of so when we like can sit back here as outsiders who haven't gone through a situation like that, you know, especially people who don't understand like victims of abuse, why they go back to abusers. It's very complicated. Yeah. And I think as a community, our, our response isn't so much, it can't be in just the, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? It's like, okay, so this is an issue. How do we address it? What are some preventative measure, measures and intervention that we can take part of? And jobs was a huge thing, providing mm -hmm. safe workplaces, because unfortunately, some of these women get taken advantage of at their new workplaces. Yeah. When that's in their history and people find out, they will exploit that. And wow. it's just one of those things you can vet and vet and vet and you never know. So I kept that kind of in the back of my mind. And there was one night I was walking chance my dog. Um, and there were a lot of nights where I would pray and walk, just like have that moment of silence to myself. And 
I just felt like I was asking God, you know, where are you taking me in this? Because I love where I'm at, but realistically, Lord, where is this going? Because I have no, no vision for how these pieces are going to connect. And it was like he clicked and connected the dots in the way that only he can, where it was, it was really cool. It's like you wanting to open this business, see how much this has done for you and gaining your self-respect back, your dignity, your creativity and claiming that and owning that. Um, I want you to share that gift because it was therapeutic for me and it was life-saving for me. It really gave me purpose and it reminded me of who I am, not who I was, but who I am. And I really felt like God giving me this green light to take it further and share that gift with other sisters who've been where I've been and maybe who are in places I will never understand, but being able to like have that sense of pride in something you've made and created and seeing other people enjoy it so much and like paying good money for your product is so rewarding and it's like dignifying and validating. Um, So that was just kind of, my long-term plan had just clicked in that moment. And I feel very fortunate in that because people spend lifetimes trying to figure that out. Right. But I think I will, I'm a strong believer in this when you're opening yourself up to not being so rigid in the journey that you think God is putting you on, but you're allowing him to really, well, you're allowing yourself to be present in that process. You'll be surprised how many dots will connect um, Mm. because you can't help but be aware of what he's doing and how he's doing it. So that's how layer on kind of took off for me as far as like, now I know the sense of direction that I want to take this business and what I'm working towards. And I truly don't know how long this is going to take, but if it's going to take even 10 more years, I'm willing to do 10 more years of hard work if this is going to be the actualized version of what's in my mind and my heart. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I think in all of this learning, like I just want to be faithful through that process. Mm. That's so good. I think, especially with like the fast food culture of people wanting results fast or, you mm. know, doing it for the money or they like, you know, think about how many years old take and reverse engineer it. It's just like, right. We, we try to synthesize something that should organically occur. You know, I think there's your job should kind of be like your principled lifestyle, you know, a job mm-hmm. isn't like, I mean, for a lot of people, it's fine. You go to your nine to five, but you know, the people who actually enjoy their jobs or find purpose and meaning in it are the folks that have a desire to use their hands and their minds to, um, work on a craft that they believe um, will bring glory to God and something that they're happy to do when they wake up in the morning. And even if that takes years and years and years and it's only incremental, they mm. know, well, one, it's not really about the end goal, but it's about the journey and how much you learn and grow and who you affect within that period of time. And and two, just doubly, doubling down on, you know, what you believe is right for you and how you can make the world a better place incrementally uh, and Mm. sticking with that. Even if that doesn't mean your 401k is going to be fat or like, (laughs) like set up a trust fund for your kids later, um, you know, which are all, 
great things and important things, but all, all to say, I think people have kind of forgotten the, the calling of work and what it was truly right. meant to be in this very, you know, highly hyper, you know, capitalistic uh, society. So it's just, you know, I, I feel like I've kind of sold out in what I did before and even what I'm doing now. So I'm just excited and amped to see folks like yourself making mm. differences in communities, you know, turning your traumas into victory and putting in the work ethic and time to build something with right. your hands. I think it's a very um, beautiful thing, but just to take it a step further and to get more granular. And I don't mean to bring out like tough times and things like that, but obviously <laughs> With, with all the beautiful things and the results and the successes that you found uh, moving forward with working with City of Refuge at your church, building out later on and your current job right now, I think people tend to think that it's a point A to point B kind of like linear line. But, we, you know, we both know there's multiple obstacles, layers and nuances to that. Mm-hmm. So how have you been grounded through all the craziness, finding your calling through the chaos. And what I mean by chaos is like, you know, financial setbacks, emotional Mm. and mental fatigue, fighting against judgment, you know, folks who say that like you messed up or you shouldn't be Mm -hmm. setting up a business or things like the pandemic just coming in and, you know, you've worked on later on for so long and suddenly it's just like, nope, like, I, you know, God's just going to throw this thing that's out of your control and put you out of commission. I'm just wondering how you've kept your head above water through mm. all this noise. So your listeners won't know this, but we do. When we had a conversation about this very topic, um, it was actually about mental health at the beginning, right? Because my, my perspective was more about like, Oh, it'd be interesting to hear about service industry folks and how they've dealt with this pandemic um, because, you know, we're out here working because we're essential workers. And um, and then it's turned into like this larger conversation, right? You're calling in chaos. And I, by the way, I don't think if you're in tech, you've sold out. I think, you know, if you're following God's calling, it's it's not always about the job that you have. I think it's mm. how you're choosing to do it. Like, and that's like a whole conversation in itself, but how can you be trusted to do bigger things if you can't be trusted with the little things first? Mm. So whatever that looks like, you can literally be the janitor at an elementary school. You are being placed there for a reason. You could be the postal worker and you're being placed there for a reason. You are called to be in that part of your life to pick something up from that point, whether it's like something you're learning from work or the people you're with whatever it looks like. So, um, which leads me to this next point, being sane in the middle of all this has definitely been the name of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Things open up and they shut down. People get sick. You have to fill in for them. Like what this pandemic has done to businesses is like, I hope we never have to experience anything like this again. It was confusing as hell and super challenging. Um, but at the same time, really pushed me to test my foundations. Mm-hmm. And I 
strongly encourage everyone to do this, whether you believe in God or not, when you wake mm. up, the thing that you just, just the knowledge of the things that I stood so firm in yesterday, or even before I went to bed last night, will they be here if like a pandemic 2.0 comes around or if something worse comes around? Probably not. Mm. Um, so where do you actually find your security and your stability is something I have to ground myself in. And the way I would do it is on my way to work, I'll listen to worship music or sometimes I would just pray in my car. And it would always be along the lines of God, give me strength for today. Thank you for another day. Thank you for a job. Thank you for the ability to work. Thank you for keeping me healthy. Give me the strength for today. Help me to see you in the midst of this. And help me to be tuned in. I'm opening my ears to you today. And that's just how I start my day. Because otherwise, everything else will come crashing down on me. And it's extremely overwhelming. I mean, Mm. I lead a team of people. And they have their own lives. They're going through their own things. But we all have to show up and do this work every day. And we have to make it a pleasant place to be because we have to spend all day with each other. So Mm. attitude is everything, but also Mm. I think, you know, we're human. We get burnt out. Not that God gives us supernatural human strength 24 seven all the time, but there are days where you're going to feel so burnt out and over and trust me. I've had those days where I've like had things go wrong or like someone has said something. and I'm just thinking like, what am I doing here? Like, what is the purpose of all this? And I feel a little Mm. lost. So I have to go back to his word again. I have mm. to go back to the truths that I know him to be, the characters that I know about him. I have to recall all the things that he's brought me through and pinpoint, and I'll even write them down, his faithfulness. Yeah. And if I'm talking about like practical applications, like type of things that I do as well for like my actual sanity is... I will look for flowers. I know that sounds really ridiculous, like some hippie dippy stuff, but um, I've always found them to be super resilient and beautiful. And I think they bring so much beauty in any situation. Um, They're special. And I will always look for flowers. Even if it's the dead of winter, I will Mm. look for them and I will see them. And there is a quote, I forgot who said it, but it's like flowers will, I think it was Matisse. Um, flowers will always come to those who search for them. And that's something that my grandma has also said to me, actually, it's really funny. Um, Like if you just look at a small little blossom, it's crazy to know that they've gone through so much to get there. Like they can come through the harshest rains and coldest mornings and scorching hot summers, but they somehow are so resilient and beautiful. And Mm. I find myself looking for them Every time I feel like I need to pull myself mentally out of a thing, I will like go for a walk and look for flowers or like I will go to a grocery store and look for flowers if I have to. So just to remind myself of those things, Um, just practical grounding technique for you all. If that helps anyone. Top two. I think those are excellent things that you could just do that that's realistic, practical um, stuff that you could, let's say, you know, not low maintenance because it does take 
a certain type of supernatural willpower to wake up and listen mm -hmm. to worship music and say these things and actually believe in it and kind of internalize mm -hmm. it. Um, but 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 still, like you you can do these things and and they create a perspective shift um, as you start mm -hmm. your day. But also that grounding technique too and mm -hmm. the underlying story behind that quote and the fact mm -hmm. that flowers are beautiful and resilient and and in that conceptual belief you go out and look for flowers or buy flowers mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like very impactful but also practical tangible things that you know all of our listeners can do if they really wanted to it's not like you know like right. i don't know like i don't know like buying a helicopter and going to the top of the mountain and looking at you it's like stuff. that could be fun too though <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true oh my gosh well, thank you, Becca. With that said, I mean, your story was beautiful. Those advice and tips on how you got through um, working in the hospitality industry as well as managing layer on, it's been very insightful. So, you know, as we kind of close the session off, um, do you have, and if you don't, it's completely fine, but uh, mm. top two things that you've learned from your victories and defeats um, either during the pandemic or in your lifetime that you want to leave for our listeners? Yeah. Um, don't compare yourself to other people for one. Um, that never helps anyone, but also really be secure in the fact that God has his own timeline with you and his timing is perfect. And uh, the more you trust in that, and the more you open yourself up to what he's doing on that journey, you're going to be so pleasantly surprised with how good it is um, that that time doesn't feel as slow as you think it is. Mm. And as far as what not to do or what to do, I guess, is um, enjoy where you are and know that mm. you're not going to get that time back. Um, not in like a morbid sense, like life is too short, don't stop living, but really pay attention to where you are. Like presence is everything. And I think when you are really speaking, especially where God is and what he's doing in that moment, um, yeah, it's rewarding, but it's also like draws you so much closer to him in a way that only is personal to you so mm. hope that's something you all, all do and be kind to everybody mm. <laughs> please be nice to people right now it's so hard <laughs> yeah that's all i got <laughs> dang man those are all really good um i think Thanks. they're all grounded <laughs> in like self-awareness empathy kindness oh man and I think it sounds so simple, but it's great advice because a lot of people lose sight of that. So, and mm -hmm. yeah, understanding is only 50% of the battle. The other 50% is execution. So, yeah, I think when you go through difficult times, if you allow yourself to stretch your compassion and empathy, it just makes it that much stronger and bolder so that your experiences don't dull that instead so good well listeners you heard it here first with becca lee hope you guys 
can uh, internalize Becca's amazing story and, and obviously, you know, think about some of the practical things that she's done and kind of utilize the advice and tips that were thrown on if you're going through a similar situation. Um, so with that said, Becca, I just want to thank you for your time, um, your you. candor and, and your honesty and your vulnerability just coming on and uh, just speaking to me and, and also living, uh, leaving golden tidbits for our listeners on the Seeds of San Francisco podcast. Thanks for having me. This is such an honor and I really enjoy listening. So hope everyone else likes this episode too. Fantastic. I think this episode, this session went by so quickly. I like looked at the time okay. and I was like, oh shoot, insane. Um, but with that said, Saints, we're tuning out on this episode of the uh, Pursuing or Finding Purpose Through Your Passion series. So, all right. Have a good one, guys, and happy weekend. Bye-bye. Hey Saints, thanks for tuning in. We'll be releasing episodes on the first three Saturdays of every month. See you soon.